I'm Caleb, and this is the Air of Grievances podcast. Or the, the Hogcast. How's that? You guys like that one? Here, Air of Grievances. Hog. Pretty clever. In continuation from last week, I'm going to pick up reading some uh, some scripture, some Bible. Uh, this week I'm going to read from Mark, and um, I would like to kind of address the term agnostic Christian, because I know it's something that I've talked about a lot recently and that Jay and I talked about in our episodes, and I really think that the term agnostic could easily be replaced with the term honest, an honest Christian, a transparent Christian, I think is the term that Jay himself used. Because, um, you know, what, what outside of ourselves, outside of our own internal thoughts and feelings and experiences, what can we be sure of? Especially something as, as big and unknowable as God. If God is unknowable unknowable, agnostic. I mean, the two kind of just go hand in hand, I think. To claim to know God fully is ridiculous. So I think there's a degree of agnosticism in in any belief, especially any external belief. Anyhow, that's just my two cents. So, let me pick it up here, reading from the ESV in the Gospel of Mark. And I'm going to try, I'm going to really try to approach this from a perspective of uh, pulling it apart and trying to see it from a new point of view. I, you know, I was indoctrinated as a kid and I, the terms were all defined for me. I was told what each passage meant. I was told the definition of each word and the and the meaning of each story and each parable. And so I'm going to try my hardest, and I know it's probably impossible given the years and years that I spent in the evangelical church, but I'm going to try my best anyhow to, to try to read this from a fresh perspective. So starting in Mark with chapter 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As it's written... In the prophet Isaiah, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So John's not forgiving sins. He's proclaiming that the baptism of repentance is the catalyst for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. Wow. He was a homeless dude. And he preached, saying... 
After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I've baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. I think it's interesting that the function of John's baptisms is the confession of sins. And that Jesus, a man, came to be baptized, presumably under the pretense of confessing sins. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. So, I think it's kind of interesting that Jesus was lacking this Spirit. It descended upon him before the baptism, and, you know, kind of inferably, his confession of sins, he was void of this Spirit. He lacked it. But then it descended upon him, and upon descending upon him, it drove him, it inspired him to be driven out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel, in the good news. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee... He saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men and women. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Something going on there. That's that's pretty irregular. They just drop their career. They drop their livelihood and they go follow this guy that they don't even know. So there must have been something pretty special that they could sense about him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, another set of brothers, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Kind of a bummer to be Zebedee in that that case there. Having your your kids, you know, a third of your workforce drop what they're doing and and go follow this guy. They don't even know. I'll I'll admit, I I got that one from from Jason on Drunk Ex-Pastors, which I'm always talking about. From his Dick Move God segment. (laughs) Gotta uh, give credit where credit's due. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who has authority, and not as the scribes. Immediately, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you done with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. 
It's kind of interesting. He says, and not he doesn't say God. He says the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, "Be silent and come out of him." And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were amazed, so they questioned among themselves, saying, "Who is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him." And not to be sacrilegious or anything, but I, I do kind of speculate whether unclean spirits is... I mean, it kind of sounds like this guy was like schizophrenic or mentally ill or something like that. And that was their way at that time of understanding what that was, was, was calling it an, an unclean spirit. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. So obviously something's going on with Jesus. He has this this power. He has this sixth sense, this, this otherworldly ability. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. I'm going to go ahead and assume that means mental illness. That's just me. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being a heretic here. I don't know. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. So he's looking for guidance here. He's, he's, he's looking to God for guidance, to the spirit that has possessed him, for guidance as to what to do next. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. So I I guess while he was praying, the Spirit let him know, You know, this is what you're here to do, man. You got to keep on preaching. You got to keep on going and doing what you've been doing. And he went throughout all Galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper, a person with a, with a skin disease, came to him, imploring him and kneeling. He said to him, If you will, can you make me clean? Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. So, so Jesus is trying to keep this hush-hush. He's not trying to 
He's not trying to gain a lot of popularity. He's not trying to let the word get out. He's trying to keep this hush-hush. He's not trying to, to spread the word and start a new religion or anything. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So not just God, but the Son of Man too has authority to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed and go home. And I, I kind of wonder if the if his sins were directly related to his physical ailment, because that doesn't seem consistent with the rest of the Bible's teachings, but it's, I don't know, maybe there's something I'm missing there. Maybe I'm just missing something. So he said, uh, rise and pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed, and he went out before them all so that they were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many with him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment if he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. And no one puts a new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins. And the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, 
And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. He said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And I love how in Mark Christ keeps referring to himself as the Son of Man, and how there seems to be this distinction between God and this Spirit and this Son of Man. And the Spirit dwells within the Son of Man after a certain point. It's not like the Spirit descended upon him upon birth. And then once the Spirit does descend upon him, his actions change and his motivations change. And he begins to perform miracles, and it's just, I think it's all very, very interesting. And then that reference to David, and and about how the law is not an absolute thing. There are exceptions, and maybe not even exceptions, but just the law maybe doesn't even hold weight to the extent that we think it does, at least. So I guess this is kind of a short episode, but I just... uh, I wanted to read that first little bit of Mark because I really like it a lot. So thanks for listening, guys. You can go to airofgrievances.com and find all my social media. Make sure that you call the voicemail at 612-460-0364. Thanks for bearing with me through this one, and we'll have a, probably have an interview for you guys next time. Thanks. Love you guys.
Thank you.